Book Ten, Part Two of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa Jevons. The Aeneid by Publius Vergilius Maro, translated by John Dryden. Book Ten, The Death of Princes, Part Two. Meantime, Juturna warns the Daunian chief of Lausus' danger, urging swift relief. With his driven chariot he divides the crowd, and, making to his friend, thus calls aloud, Let none presume his needless aid to join. Retire and clear the field. The fight is mine. To this right hand is Pallas only due. Oh, were his father here my just revenge to view! From the forbidden space his men retired. Pallas their awe and his stern words admired, Surveyed him o'er and o'er with wondering sight, Struck with his haughty mien and towering height. Then to the king, your empty vaunts forbear, Success I hope, and fate I cannot fear. Alive or dead I shall deserve a name, Jove is impartial, and to both the same. He said, and to the void advanced his pace, Pale horror sat on each Arcadian face. Then Turnus, from his chariot leaping light, Addressed himself on foot to single fight, And as a lion, when he spies from far A bull that seems to meditate the war, Bending his neck and spurning back the sand, Runs roaring downward from his hilly stand. Imagine eager Turnus, not more slow, To rush from high on his unequal foe. Young Pallas, when he saw the chief advance within due distance of his flying lance, prepares to charge him first, resolved to try if fortune would his want of force supply, and thus to heaven and Hercules addressed. Alcides, once on earth Evander's guest, his son adjures you by those holy rites, that hospitable board, those genial knights, assist my great attempt to gain this prize, and let proud Turnus view with dying eyes his ravished spoils. T'was heard the vain request. Alcides mourned and stifled sighs within his breast. Then Jove, to soothe his sorrow, thus began. Short bounds of life are set to mortal man. Tis virtue's work alone to stretch the narrow span. So many sons of gods in bloody fight around the walls of Troy have lost the light. My own Sarpedon fell beneath his foe, Nor I, his mighty sire, could ward the blow. Even Turnus shortly shall resign his breath, And stands already on the verge of death. This said, the god permits the fatal fight, But from the Latian fields averts his sight. Now with full force his spear young Pallas threw, And having thrown, his shining fortune drew. The steel just grazed along the shoulder-joint, and marked it slightly with the glancing point. Fierce Turnus first to nearer distance drew, and poised his pointed spear before he threw. Then, as the winged weapon whizzed along, See now, said he, whose arm is better strung. The spear kept on the fatal course, unstayed by plates of iron which o'er the shield were laid, through folded brass and tough bull-hides it passed, His corslet pierced, and reached his heart at last. In vain the youth tugs at the broken wood, 
the soul comes issuing with the vital blood. He falls, his arms upon his body sound, and with his bloody teeth he bites the ground. Turnus bestrode the corpse. Arcadians, hear, said he, my message to your master bear. Such as the sire deserved, the son I send. It costs him dear to be the Phrygian's friend. The lifeless body, tell him, I bestow, unasked to rest his wandering ghost below. He said, and trampled down with all the force of his left foot, and spurned the wretched course. Then snatched the shining belt with gold inlaid, the belt Eurytian's artful hands had made, where fifty fatal brides, expressed to sight, all in the compass of one mournful night, deprived their bridegrooms of returning light. In an ill hour insulting Turnus tore those golden spoils, and in a worse he wore. O mortals, blind in fate, who never know to bear high fortune or endure the low, the time shall come when Turnus, but in vain, shall wish untouched the trophies of the slain, shall wish the fatal belt were far away, and curse the dire remembrance of the day. The sad Arcadians from the unhappy field bear back the breathless body on a shield. O oh, grace and grief of war, at once restored with praises to thy sire, at once deplored. One day first sent thee to the fighting field, Beheld whole heaps of foes in battle killed, One day beheld thee dead, and borne upon thy shield. This dismal news not from uncertain fame, But sad spectators, to the hero came. His friends upon the brink of ruin stand, Unless relieved by his victorious hand. He whirls his sword around without delay, And hews through adverse foes an ample way To find fierce Turnus, of his conquest proud, Evander, Pallas, all that friendship owed To large deserts are present to his eyes, His plighted hand and hospitable ties. Four sons of Sulmo, four whom Ufens bred, He took in fight, and living victims led to please the ghost of Pallas, and expire in sacrifice before his funeral fire. At Magus next he threw, he stooped below the flying spear, and shunned the promised blow. Then, creeping, clasped the hero's knees, and prayed, By young Eulus, by thy father's shade, oh, spare my life, and send me back to see my longing sire and tender progeny. A lofty house I have, and wealth untold, In silver ingots and in bars of gold. All these, and sums besides, which see no day, The ransom of this one poor life shall pay. If I survive, will Troy the less prevail? A single soul's too light to turn the scale. He said. The hero sternly thus replied. Thy bars and ingots, and the sums beside, Leave for thy children's lot. Thy Turnus broke all rules of war by one relentless stroke when Pallas fell. So deems, nor deems alone, my father's shadow, but my living son. Thus having said, of kind remorse bereft, he seized his helm and dragged him with his left, then with his right hand, while his neck he wreathed, up to the hilts his shining fortune sheathed. 
Apollo's priest, Emonides, was near, his holy fillets on his front appear, glittering in arms he shone amidst the crowd, much of his god, more of his purple proud. Him the fierce Trojan followed through the field, the holy coward fell and forced to yield, the prince stood o'er the priest, and at one blow sent him an offering to the shades below. His arms Serestus on his shoulders bears, designed a trophy to the god of wars. Vulcanian Caeculus renews the fight, and Umbro, borne upon the mountain's height. The champion cheers his troops to encounter those, and seeks revenge himself on other foes. At Anxia's shield he drove, and at the blow both shield and arm to ground together go. Anxia had boasted much of magic charms, and thought he wore impenetrable arms, so made by muttered spells, and from the spheres had life secured in vain for length of years. Then Tarquitus the field in triumph trod, a nymph his mother, his sire a god. Exulting in bright arms he braves the prince, with his protended lance he makes defence, bears back his feeble foe, then, pressing on, arrests his better hand, and drags him down. Stands o'er the prostrate wretch, and as he lay, vain tales inventing and prepared to pray, mows off his head. The trunk a moment stood, then sunk and rolled along the sand in blood. The vengeful victor thus upbraids the slain. Lie there, proud man, unpitied on the plain. Lie there, inglorious and without a tomb, far from thy mother and thy native home, exposed to savage beasts and birds of prey, or thrown for food to monsters of the sea. On Lycus and Antaeus next he ran, two chiefs of Turnus, and who led his van. They fled for fear. With these he chased along Camers, the yellow-locked, and Numa, strong, both great in arms, and both were fair and young. Camers was son to Volscens, lately slain, in wealth surpassing all the Latian train, and in Amicla fixed his silent, easy reign. And as Aegean, when with heaven he strove, stood opposite in arms to mighty Jove, moved all his hundred hands, provoked the war, defied the forky lightning from afar, at fifty mouths his flaming breath expires, and flash for flash returns, and fires for fires. In his right hand as many swords he wields, and takes the thunder on as many shields. With strength like his the Trojan hero stood, and soon the fields with falling corpse were strowed, when once his fortune found the taste of blood. With fury scarce to be conceived, he flew against Nepheus, whom four coursers drew. They, when they see the fiery chief advance, and pushing at their chests his pointed lance, wheeled with so swift a motion, mad with fear, they threw their master headlong from the chair. They stare, they start, nor stop their course before they bear the bounding chariot to the shore. Now Lucagus and Liger scour the plains with two white steeds, but Liger holds the reins, and Lucagus the lofty seat maintains, bold brethren both. The former waved in air his flaming sword, Aeneas couched his spear, unused to threats, and more unused to fear. Then Liger thus, 
thy confidence is vain to scape from hence as from the trojan plain nor these the steeds which diomede bestrode nor this the chariot where achilles rode nor venus vale is here near neptune's shield thy fatal hour is come and this the field thus leaguer vainly vaunts the trojan peer returned his answer with his flying spear as Lucagus to lash his horses bends, prone to the wheels, and his left foot protends, prepared for fight, the fatal dart arrives, and through the borders of his buckler drives. Passed through and pierced his groin, the deadly wound, cast from his chariot, rolled him on the ground, whom thus the chief upbraids with scornful spite. Blame not the slowness of your steeds in flight, Vain shadows did not force their swift retreat, But you yourself forsake your empty seat. He said, and seized at once the loosened rein, For Liger lay already on the plain, By the same shock. Then, stretching out his hands, The recreant thus his wretched life demands. Now by thyself, O more than mortal man, By her and him from whom thy breath began, Who formed thee, thus divine, I beg thee, spare this forfeit life, and hear thy suppliant's prayer. Thus much he spoke, and more he would have said, but the stern hero turned aside his head and cut him short. I hear another man. You talked not thus before the fight began. Now take your turn, and as a brother should, attend your brother to the Stygian flood. Then through his breast his fatal sword he sent, and the soul issued at the gaping vent. As storms the skies and torrents tear the ground, Thus raged the prince, and scattered deaths around. At length Ascanius and the Trojan train Broke from the camp so long besieged in vain. Meantime the king of gods and mortal man Held conference with his queen, and thus began. My sister goddess and well-pleasing wife, Still think you Venus' aid supports the strife? sustains her Trojans, or themselves alone with inborn valour force their fortune on. How fierce in fight, with courage undecayed, judge if such warriors want immortal aid. To whom the goddess with the charming eyes, soft in her tone, submissively replies, Why, O oh my sovereign lord, whose frown I fear, and cannot unconcerned your anger bear, why urge you thus my grief when if i still as once i was were mistress of your will from your almighty power your pleasing wife might gain the grace of lengthening turner's life securely snatch him from the fatal fight and give him to his aged father's sight now let him perish since you hold it good and glut the trojans with his pious blood Yet from our lineage he derives his name, And in the fourth degree from God Pilumnus came. Yet he devoutly pays you rites divine, And offers daily incense at your shrine. Then shortly thus the sovereign God replied, Since in my power and goodness you confide, If for a little space, a lengthened span, You beg reprieve for this expiring man, I grant you leave to take your turnus hence from instant fate, and can so far dispense. 
But if some secret meaning lies beneath to save the short-lived youth from destined death, or if a father thought you entertained to change the fates, you feed your hopes in vain. To whom the goddess thus with weeping eyes, And what if that request your tongue denies, your heart should grant, and not a short reprieve, but length of certain life to Turnus give? Now speedy death attends the guiltless youth, if my presaging soul divines with truth, which, oh, I wish might err through causeless fears, and you, for you have power, prolong his years. Thus having said, involved in clouds, she flies, and drives a storm before her through the skies. Swift she descends, alighting on the plain, where the fierce foes a dubious fight maintain. Of air condensed a spectre soon she made, and what Aeneas was, such seemed the shade. Adorned with Dardan arms, the phantom bore his head aloft, a plumy crest he wore. This hand appeared a shining sword to wield, and that sustained an imitated shield. With manly mien he stalked along the ground, nor wanted voice belied, nor vaunting sound. Thus haunting ghosts appear to waking sight, or dreadful visions in our dreams by night. The spectre seems the Downian chief to dare, and flourishes his empty sword in air. At this advancing Turnus hurled his spear, the phantom wheeled and seemed to fly for fear. Deluded Turnus thought the Trojan fled, and with vain hopes his haughty fancy fed. Whither, O coward, thus he calls aloud, nor found he spoke to wind and chased a cloud. Why thus forsake your bride? Receive from me the fated land you sought so long by sea, he said, and brandishing at once his blade, with eager pace pursued the flying shade. By chance a ship was fastened to the shore, which from old Clusium King Osinius bore. The plank was ready laid for safe ascent, for shelter there the trembling shadow bent, and skipped and skulked and under hatches went. Exulting Turnus, with regardless haste, ascends the plank and to the galley passed. Scarce had he reached the prow, Saturnia's hand the holsers cuts and shoots the ship from land. With wind in poop the vessel ploughs the sea, and measures back with speed her former way. Meantime Aeneas seeks his absent foe, and sends his slaughtered troops to shades below. The guileful phantom now forsook the shroud, and flew sublime and vanished in a cloud. Too late young Turnus the delusion found, far on the sea, still making from the ground, then, thankless for a life redeemed by shame, with sense of honour stung and forfeit fame, fearful besides of what in fight had passed, his hands and haggard eyes to heaven he cast. O Jove! he cried, for what offence have I deserved to bear this endless infamy? Whence am I forced, and whither am I born? How and with what reproach shall I return? Shall ever I behold the Latian plain, or see Laurentum's lofty towers again? What will they say of their deserting chief? The war was mine, I fly from their relief. I led to slaughter, and in slaughter leave, and even from hence their dying groans receive. 
Here, overmatched in fight, in heaps they lie. There, scattered o'er the field, ignobly fly. Gape wide, O earth, and draw me down alive. Or, O ye pitying winds, a wretch relieve. On sands or shelves the splitting vessel drive, Or set me shipwrecked on some desert shore, Where no Rutulian eyes may see me more. Unknown to friends or foes, or conscious fame, Lest she should follow and my flight proclaim. Thus Turnus raved, and various fates revolved. The choice was doubtful, but the death resolved. And now the sword and now the sea took place, That to revenge and this to purge disgrace. Sometimes he thought to swim the stormy main, By stretch of arms the distant shore to gain. Thrice he the sword essayed, and thrice the flood. But Juno moved with pity, both withstood, And thrice repressed his rage. Strong gales supplied, and pushed the vessel o'er the swelling tide. At length she lands him on his native shores, And to his father's longing arms restores. Meantime, by Jove's impulse, Mesentius armed, succeeding Turnus, With his ardour warmed his fainting friends, Reproached their shameful flight, Repelled the victors and renewed the fight. Against their king the Tuscan troops conspire, Such is their hate and such their fierce desire Of wished revenge. On him and him alone all hands employed And all their darts are thrown, he, like a solid rock by seas enclosed, To raging winds and roaring waves opposed, From his proud summit looking down, Disdains their empty menace, and unmoved remains. Beneath his feet fell haughty Hebrus dead, Then Latagus and Palmus as he fled. At Latagus a weighty stone he flung, His face was flattered and his helmet wrung. But Palmus from behind receives his wound, Hamstringed he falls and grovels on the ground. His crest and armour from his body torn, Thy shoulders, Lausus, and thy head adorn. Avas and Mimas, both of Troy, he slew. Mimas his birth from fair Teano drew, Born on that fatal night, when, big with fire, The queen produced young Paris to his sire. But Paris in the Phrygian fields was slain, unthinking Mimas on the Latian plain. And as a savage boar on mountains bred, with forest mast and fattening marshes fed, when once he sees himself in toils enclosed by huntsmen and their eager hounds opposed, he wets his tusks and turns and dares the war. The invaders dart their javelins from afar, all keep aloof and safely shout around, but none presumes to give a nearer wound. He frets and froths, erects his bristled hide, And shakes a grove of lances from his side. Not otherwise the troops, with hate inspired, And just revenge against the tyrant fired, Their darts with clamour at a distance drive, And only keep the languished war alive. From Corytus came Acron to the fight, Who left his spouse betrothed and unconsummate knight. Mesentius sees him through the squadron's ride, Proud of the purple favours of his bride. Then, as a hungry lion who beholds a gamesome goat Who frisks about the folds, or beamy stag that grazes on the plain, He runs, he roars, he shakes his rising mane, 
he grins and opens wide his greedy jaws the prey lies panting underneath his paws he fills his famished maw his mouth runs o'er with unchewed morsels while he churns the gore so proud mesentius rushes on his foes and first unhappy acron overthrows stretched at his length he spurns the swarthy ground the lance besmeared with blood lies broken in the wound then with disdain the haughty victor viewed orodes flying nor the wretch pursued nor thought the dastard's back deserved a wound but running gained the advantage of the ground then turning short he met him face to face to give his victory the better grace Orodes falls, in equal fight oppressed. Mesentius fixed his foot upon his breast, and rested lance, and thus aloud he cries, Lo, here the champion of my rebels lies. The fields around with Eopayan ring, and peals of shouts applaud the conquering king. At this the vanquished with his dying breath thus faintly spoke, and prophesied in death nor thou proud man unpunished shalt remain like death attends thee on this fatal plain then sourly smiling thus the king replied for what belongs to me let jove provide but die thou first whatever chance ensue he said and from the wound the weapon drew a hovering mist came swimming o'er his sight and sealed his eyes in everlasting night by Caedicus Alcathous was slain, Sacrator laid Hydaspes on the plain. Orses the strong to greater strength must yield, he with Parthenius were by Rapo killed. Then brave Messapus Erechites slew, who from Lycaon's blood his lineage drew. But from his headstrong horse his fate he found, who threw his master as he made a bound, the chief alighting struck him to the ground. Then Clonius hand to hand on foot assails, The Trojan sinks and Neptune's son prevails. Argus the Lycian stepping forth with pride, To single fight the boldest foe defied, Whom Tuscan Valerus by force o'ercame, And not belied his mighty father's fame. Salius to death the great Antronius sent, but the same fate the victor underwent, slain by Nealce's hand, well skilled to throw the flying dart, and draw the far-deceiving bow. Thus equal deaths are dealt with equal chance, by turns they quit their ground, by turns advance, victors and vanquished in the various field, nor wholly overcome, nor wholly yield. The gods from heaven survey the fatal strife, and mourn the miseries of human life. Above the rest two goddesses appear, concerned for each, here Venus, Juno there. Amidst the crowd infernal Arte shakes her scourge aloft, and crest of hissing snakes. Once more the proud Mesentius with disdain brandished his spear and rushed into the plain, where, towering in the midmost rank, he stood, like tall Orion stalking o'er the flood, when with his brawny breast he cuts the waves, his shoulders scarce the topmost billow laves, or like a mountain ash whose roots are spread deep fixed in earth, in clouds he hides his head. 
the Trojan prince beheld him from afar, and dauntless undertook the doubtful war. Collected in his strength, and like a rock, poised on his base, Mezentius stood the shock. He stood, and measuring first with careful eyes the space his spear could reach, aloud he cries, My strong right hand and sword assist my stroke. Those only gods Mezentius will invoke. His armour from the Trojan pirate torn by my triumphant Lausus shall be worn. He said, and with his utmost force he threw the massy spear, which hissing as it flew reached the celestial shield that stopped the course, but glancing thence the yet unbroken force took a new bent obliquely, and betwixt the side and bowels famed Anthores fixed. Anthores had from Argos travelled far, Alcides' friend and brother of the war, till, tired with toils, fair Italy he chose, and in Evander's palace sought repose. Now, falling by another's wound, his eyes he cast to heaven, on Argos thinks, and dies. The pious Trojan then his javelin sent, the shield gave way, through treble plates it went of solid brass, of linen trebly rolled, and three bull-hides which round the buckler fold. All these it passed, resistless in the course, transpierced his thigh, and spent its dying force. The gaping wound gushed out a crimson flood. The Trojan, glad with sight of hostile blood, his fortune drew, to closer fight addressed, and with new force his fainting foe oppressed. His father's peril Lausus viewed with grief. He sighed, he wept, he ran to his relief. And here, heroic youth, tis here I must to thy immortal memory be just, and sing an act so noble and so new, posterity will scarce believe tis true. Pained with his wound, and useless for the fight, the father sought to save himself by flight. Encumbered, slow he dragged the spear along which pierced his thigh, and in his buckler hung. The pious youth, resolved on death, below the lifted sword springs forth to face the foe, protects his parent, and prevents the blow. Shouts of applause ran ringing through the field, to see the son the vanquished father shield. All, fired with generous indignation, strive, and with a storm of darts to distance drive the Trojan chief, who held at bay from far, on his Vulcanian orb, sustained the war. As when thick hail comes rattling in the wind, the ploughman, passenger, and labouring hind for shelter to the neighbouring covert fly, or housed, or safe in hollow caverns lie, but that o'erblown, when heaven above them smiles, return to travel and renew their toils, Aeneas thus, o'erwhelmed, on every side the storm of darts, undaunted, did abide, and thus to Lausus, loud with friendly threatening, cried, Why wilt thou rush to certain death, and rage in rash attempts beyond thy tender age, betrayed by pious love? Nor thus forborne the youth desists, but with insulting scorn provokes the lingering prince, whose patience, tired, gave place, and all his breast with fury fired. For now the fates prepared their sharpened shears, and lifted high the flaming sword appears. 
which, full descending with a frightful sway, through shield and corslet forced the impetuous way, and buried deep in his fair bosom lay, the purple streams through the thin armour strove, and drenched the embroidered coat his mother wove. And life at length forsook his heaving heart, loath from so sweet a mansion to depart. But when, with blood and paleness all o'erspread, the pious prince beheld young Lausus dead, he grieved, he wept, the sight an image brought of his own filial love, a sadly pleasing thought, then stretched his hand to hold him up, and said, Poor hapless youth! What praises can be paid to love so great, to such transcendent store of early worth and sure presage of more? Accept what Erineus can afford, untouched thy arms, untaken be thy sword, and all that pleased thee living still remain inviolate and sacred to the slain. Thy body on thy parents I bestow, To rest thy soul, at least if shadows know, Or have a sense of human things below. There to thy fellow ghosts with glory tell, T'was by the great Aeneas' hand I fell. With this his distant friends he beckons near, Provokes their duty and prevents their fear, Himself assists to lift him from the ground, With clotted locks, and blood that welled from out the wound. Meantime his father, now no father, stood, and washed his wounds by Tiber's yellow flood, oppressed with anguish, panting and o'erspent, his fainting limbs against an oak he lent. A bow his brazen helmet did sustain, his heavier arms lay scattered on the plain. A chosen train of youth around him stand, his drooping head was rested on his hand, his grisly beard his pensive bosom sought, and all on Lausus ran his restless thought. Careful, concerned his danger to prevent, he much inquired, and many a message sent to warn him from the field. Alas, in vain! Behold, his mournful followers bear him slain. O'er his broad shield still gushed the yawning wound, And drew a bloody trail along the ground. Far off he heard their cries, Far off divined the dire event with a foreboding mind. With dust he sprinkled first his hoary head, Then both his lifted hands to heaven he spread. Last, the dear corpse embracing, thus he said, what joys, alas, could this frail being give, That I have been so covetous to live? To see my son and such a son resign his life, A ransom for preserving mine. And am I then preserved, and art thou lost? How much too dear has that redemption cost? Tis now my bitter banishment I feel, this is a wound too deep for time to heal. My guilt thy growing virtues did defame, My blackness blotted thy unblemished name. Chased from a throne, abandoned and exiled, For foul misdeeds were punishments too mild. I owed my people these, And from their hate with less resentment Could have borne my fate. 
And yet I live, and yet sustain the sight of hated men, and of more hated light. But will not long. With that he raised from ground his fainting limbs, that staggered with his wound, yet with a mind resolved, and unappalled with pains or perils, for his courser called, well-mouthed, well-managed, whom himself did dress with daily care, and mounted with success, his aid in arms, his ornament in peace. Soothing his courage with a gentle stroke, the steed seemed sensible while thus he spoke, O oh, Roebus, we have lived too long for me, if life and long were terms that could agree. This day thou either shalt bring back the head and bloody trophies of the Trojan dead, this day thou either shalt revenge my woe for murdered Lausus on his cruel foe, or, if inexorable fate deny our conquest, with thy conquered master die. For after such a lord I rest secure thou wilt no foreign reins or Trojan load endure. He said, and straight the officious courser kneels to take his wonted weight. His hand he fills with pointed javelins, on his head he laced his glittering helm, which terribly was graced with waving horsehair nodding from afar. Then spurred his thundering steed amidst the war. Love, anguish, wrath, and grief to madness wrought, despair and secret shame, and conscious thought of inborn worth, his labouring soul oppressed, rolled in his eyes and raged within his breast. Then loud he called Aeneas thrice by name, the loud repeated voice to glad Aeneas came. Great Jove, he said, and the far-shooting God, inspire thy mind to make thy challenge good. He spoke no more, but hastened void of fear, and threatened with his long protended spear. To whom Mezentius thus, Thy vaunts are vain, my Lausus lies extended on the plain. He is lost, thy conquest is already won, the wretched sire is murdered in the sun. Nor fate I fear, but all the gods defy. Forbear thy threats, my business is to die. But first receive this parting legacy. He said, and straight a whirling dart he sent, Another after and another went, Round in a spacious ring he rides the field, And vainly plies the impenetrable shield. Thrice rode he round, and thrice Aeneas wheeled, Turned as he turned, the golden orb withstood the strokes, And bore about an iron wood. Impatient of delay and weary grown, still to defend, and to defend alone, to wrench the darts which in his buckler light, urged and o'erlaboured in unequal fight, at length resolved, he throws with all his force full at the temples of the warrior horse. Just where the stroke was aimed, the unerring spear made way, and stood transfixed through either ear. Seized with unwonted pain, surprised with fright, the wounded steed curvets and raised upright lights on his feet before, his hooves behind spring in air aloft and lash the wind. Down comes the rider headlong from his height. His horse came after with unwieldy weight, and floundering forward, pitching on his head, his lord's encumbered shoulder overlaid. 
from either host the mingled shouts and cries of trojans and rutulians rend the skies aeneas hastening waved his fatal sword high o'er his head with this reproachful word now where are now thy vaunts the fierce disdain of proud mezentius and the lofty strain struggling and wildly staring on the skies with scarce recovered sight he thus replies why these insulting words this waste of breath to souls undaunted and secure of death tis no dishonour for the brave to die nor came i here with hope of victory nor ask i life nor fought with that design as i had used my fortune use thou thine my dying son contracted no such band the gift is hateful from his murderous hand for this this only favour let me sue if pity can to conquered foes be due refuse it not but let my body have the last retreat of humankind a grave too well i know the insulting people's hate protect me from their vengeance after fate this refuge for my poor remains provide and lay my much-loved lausus by my side he said and to the sword his throat applied the crimson stream disdained his arms around and the disdainful soul came rushing through the wound end of book 10